Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting once again in Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Good to be out of the house. Good yeah. to be uh, back in the, 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 the bosom of the Clempire here. Yeah. The bosom of the Clempire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, uh, you know, it looks okay. It's very dark. I, it, it's always very dark in here. I like it. Yeah, it's a good place. Uh, I love the bosom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't mind the bosom. Clempire. Yeah. The Clempire, yeah, yeah. the uh, Dave Clements Empire. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's a Empire, which is crumbling day by day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I've said that before. Hopefully, Dave might show up. I don't know what where he's at right now. He's uh, he's probably laying in bed watching a moth dine a lamp. You know, <laughs> this is what he likes to do. He's a seventy-four-year-old man, and he still takes baths. Huh. Okay. Do you know that? He does not uh, like showers. He uh, takes baths. Really? It might I'm be a bath the secret. Guy too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah? I, I don't know. I, I don't know a bath guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, in, in certain places, I, I, I played on this record one time in Switzerland, and we stayed. In, everybody stayed in this hotel, and after like a, a day or two, everybody starts talking about how they always take showers, but now they're taking baths, and it was because we had these giant tubs that you could yeah. completely stretch out in. It was... Quite luxurious, man. It feels pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that might be uh, uh, one of Maybe Dave's, Dave's secrets. secrets. Yeah, yeah. Know. You know, it keeps I the skin soft. He's there marinating in his own juices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he must have a pretty big tub. He's a, he's a long, lanky guy. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, he's all right. He's yeah. kind of, you know, right in well, our size. He's, 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 he's yeah. not taller than me. He's yeah, right. he's okay. Yeah, yeah. But he, he said he might uh, stick his head in uh, a little bit later on. Yeah. So what's going on with you, man? Um. Well, uh, you know, just preparing to leave town again, taking care of, of all the stuff. You know, we, we have our taxes uh, staring us down. I got to oh. got to deal with that before I leave town because I'm going to be gone for two weeks. You're, we're going to have a, you're going to have a little break from the podcast. Yeah. For, for two weeks, yeah. um, I'll be out on on the road with the iguanas and Kevin Gordon there, starting in Nashville. And and, uh, and and when does this start? Is this our last show? No, no, we have one oh. more next week oh, uh, with right. uh, Sean Hall as our guest. And uh, Sean Hall, Sean Hall, yes. Uh, we'll, no, who's that? We'll we'll, we'll get into okay. Sean Hall next week. Yeah, yeah. She's a great artist and uh, uh, was a studio manager at Piety Studios for you know 15 years or so so she's she's got a lot of rock and roll and and art uh experience and uh so she'll she'll be a great guest anyway uh and but you know what's coming up is our 200th episode manny now now when we were coming up on the 100th episode we had we had it all planned out a live event where we're going to be there at the circle bar and uh you know, we got shut down like two weeks before that happened. We wound up having to do it as a because of the a, pandemic. Because of the pandemic, so yeah. we had to do it over the phone, and it was good. We 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 did three marathon nights of, of phone calls with people. We generated like three weeks worth of uh right. of shows with yeah, that. Yeah, that was nice. That I was it was that. good. It was good. Yeah, I dug that. Yeah. So so we have the two hundredth episode coming up. When it's, is that? It's uh well I I I, I kind of uh. 
you know, uh, planned it all out on the calendar. What show is this? This this will be 196. Oh, okay. So we're really uh, closing in on it. So I think uh, somewhere around the end of, of April, we'll be taping that uh, that, wow. that 200th uh, episode A lot of big party. announcements, too, that show. Yeah. Huge <laughs> announcements. Okay, yeah. something to oh, look forward yeah. to. I have a lot of announcements to okay. make on that All show. All right, good. You're saving them up. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, we, now we have the uh, the venue, the perfect venue here to have it, uh, Snake and Jake's. You know, yeah, to start I mean, yeah, sending uh, out some announcements to the uh, the guests and and some of the patrons. You know, people that have if have, they're uh, willing to come to the crumbling Clempire. Well, you know, you know while 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 it is crumbling. I, I think it's crumbling at a slower rate than New Orleans in general. So it, by comparison, the Clempire looks like a safe haven. You yeah. Know, you know? Well, I could dig it. Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. But listen, I want to talk about something okay. that's been on my mind good. the past few days. Okay. Uh, you know, I work at the big campus here, uh, Tulane, you know, yeah. and they had their first annual book fest, New Orleans book fest. Oh, Okay. And uh, it was three days of authors talking, doing Q&A and selling books and all this stuff. And I really didn't have much to do with it, but until uh, it started to happen, it was a three-day event, Thursday through Saturday. And uh, it did pretty well, apparently, for, for the city, for, the, for Tulane. Um, and they had all, and so, but I didn't really have to be involved in it until like all of a sudden I got a call and said, well, you, you need to be here because you're, I, I work in textbooks, even though I have nothing to do with the book fest, I need to be there because they needed an extra manager there just in case something went crazy. <laughs> so that was on the third and last day. But on the first day, I, uh, I didn't have to deal, deal with it, but I was walking to my car and John Grisham, you know who John Grisham is? Sure. I just I just yeah. finished a book of his. Yeah, yeah. He was doing a little uh, talk and a Q and A because it was this book fest is all about us, the region, the Southern authors and all that, the regional stuff okay. like that. And um, so I poked my head in there and I was listening to him. And then the Q and A started, and I raised my hand and I said to Mr. Grisham, I said, "How come all your best selling novels end up being shitty movies?" <laughs> And he didn't have anything to say, and I was people were booing me, and, I was, <laughs> and then I was escorted out of the room. <laughs> wow. I was escorted out of the Seriously. room by security and stuff like that, you know. So, jeez, man, you, yeah, you know, it's uh, just a, a little note. I mean, it's a, he, he maybe he wonders the same thing himself. Well, he never know? he didn't say a word. Right, he didn't say a word. I, I just asked him that. And it was an honest question. I mean, because most of his movies, I mean, most of his books are turn out to be really shitty movies. Like what movies? Were well, like that, The Firm with Tom Cruise oh, was yeah, awful. Yeah, I couldn't get, get uh, to A Time, what was that? A Time to Die with uh, Matthew McConaughey and, huh. and uh, that was an awful film. I mean, uh, the list goes on. Okay. You know, and then I think Coppola tried to do one and that was awful too with Matt uh, Damon. Hmm. You know, that was uh, Matt Damon trying to do a Southern accent, you know, a kid from Boston. Right, you know? right. Just didn't work, you know. <laughs> And Coppola just does movies now because he needs the money to keep his winery going. Yeah, yeah, his wine yeah. habit. So that was Thursday. And then uh, I didn't have to deal with it at all Friday. But Saturday I had to be there just to oversee things. And uh, this is something. Uh, I, I was coming back from my, my lunch break. And I, uh, I, in the front of the, of the bookstore where they're selling all the books and going, making my way to the second floor where I work, 
and I'm hanging out in front, and I see our friend, your friend, and former guest, uh, Tisserand. Michael Tisserand. Yeah. yeah. He's, wa- he's doing like a talk there. Mm-hmm. He walks into the bookstore, and we have all the books that are being represented for this book fest are in the lobby of the bookstore. There's hundreds of titles, hundreds of titles there. I'm in the front talking to somebody, and I see Michael Tisserand walk in the bookstore, take a book, and steal it. <laughs> and I stopped him. I go, where are you going with that? He goes, oh, hey, Manny. Uh, yeah, I ca- can I just use this book for the talk? I'll bring it right back. I said, you bet your fucking ass you'll bring it back, man, because I ordered half these books, and you're trying to steal it. So our former guest, your friend, is a thief. No, no. It was his own book, though, right? Yeah, it was his own book. So why doesn't he have a fucking copy of it? I don't know. He must have left it at home. You he know? figured, you know, you could yeah. do him a so solid I think and we loan should, him one. Well, well, we, well <laughs> he, was, he walked in. He didn't see me. He walked in with some other guy, and he took the book right off the, uh, right off the table and walked out with like, hey, look, at, I'm getting away with this. I'm getting away with this. I'm getting away with this. He was <laughs> okay. like, what a fucking asshole, man. Oh, well, no. You know? Michael's and I, a good I busted guy, but, him. I said, you're going to return that book? And he said, oh, yeah, I'll bring it right back. Which I don't know, because uh, I don't know if he ever returned it. But oh, I think it'd be well. fun right now if we call him and see if he returned oh, the book well. <laughs> on the podcast right now. Call him. Oh, no. Our, let's not take time doing that. That's, uh, that's, or text uh, but, him, at least. Or give me right. his number, and I'll call him. Okay. All right. Maybe we'll do that on the break. You know, we can, we this can... guy is, uh, is a famous author, and he's got to steal a book. Oh, uh, you, you know, know. You know, he figures, what's what's the harm? You know, he's uh, just Well, the harm is it. that we're, my gonna the company I work inventory. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know? And I'm going to, you know, whatever, dude. No, no, no. I get it, man. I get I get uh, you take this very seriously. I understand. Yeah, I mean, it, these it, are the numbers. I have right, to deal right, with this. Sure, these yeah, are numbers, yeah, yeah. and he's Missing. fucking with my numbers. Was he stealthy right. about it? Did he put it under his shirt or anything? No, he just <laughs> blatantly walked out with it. Because, you know, it was crowded. It's a book festival. There's people going around. All that kind of, but he was like walking out like, <laughs> look at I got rid of it. He's like Abby Hoffman, like steal this book, you know. You, know? you had the eagle eye, man. You were, you could well, see. I, well, see, uh, fortunately for uh, me, I was there, right there. Timing's everything, man. Right. You know. So your friend is a thief. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't go that far, but uh, no. yes, I understand the, the the circumstances now. You know. So right. anyway, yeah. So that's what happened this over the weekend, and then to, on Monday. You know, I, I have a whole department I have to deal with, and I have very little staff, very little staff. So uh, they told me that I, they just hired someone to help me out. I said, oh, that's great. That's really fabulous. Mm-hmm. I need some help. Because really, I have, I have two student workers, and they're both very good, but I need more help. But then I find it's another, it, it's a girl who uh, they introduced to me, and by the end of the day, I realize there's something very wrong with this girl. Hmm. There's something wrong. She, uh, you know, I'm explaining things to her over and over again. I'm trying to let her know what we do and all that, what we're about, what the department is. And then I found out the next day, because I talked to the other, the other supervisors who I work with and the person who hired her, and I said, you know, uh, what's, what's going on? And they said, oh, well, she has learning disabilities. Okay. So it was like, Really? You give me someone with learning, someone who has no patience with people, <laughs> cannot really. Li- I don't really care for people, and you're giving you're giving them to me, someone who I have to keep 
telling over and over and over <laughs> again what to do. Okay. And it was like, you know, it was like Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man. It's right. Like, just wear the fucking underwear, you know? <laughs> it's your fucking underwear. Just wear it, you know? So uh, I, I, it, it's very frustrating. Maybe they felt like it'd be a growth opportunity for both of y'all, you know? It's uh, like, I, it's gonna... I'm beyond gro- I'm too old to grow anymore. Oh, well, you, you, they, no, you might no. surprise yourself, man. No, I'm too old to grow oh. anymore, Renee. You know, my growing days are over. Oh, you know, man. so well, I, we'll see. I'm, uh, I'm uh, still at the beginning. I'm trying of the to get her transferred somewhere else. Okay, you know, <laughs> someone more understanding. Well, someone, you know, the, the wash toilet uh, department. Okay, you know. well, so <laughs> that, something that's not not under you. Right, exactly. Right. A- you anywhere know. else besides you. Yeah. Okay. So what's going on with you? I'm going to see uh, uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, Night after tomorrow. Oh God! Big really? show at the uh, at the Sanger. It's like the senior tour, man. Gets well, even bigger. He, he just <laughs> it's like it's like golf. He he, he did know? just turn eighty, but oh, God. Uh, but <laughs> but man, I, uh, you know the people that I've seen. And would you pay for a ticket? Uh, uh, how much was the ticket? A uh, hundred bucks no, to see an eighty-year-old no, man? No, not, uh, I think it was one hundred and thirty. Were the cheapest ones I saw. Oh no, really? No, mine mine. I got them like the the day before they they actually went on sale for everybody else. But uh, oh, mine, you're special. Huh? Well, you know, I I, uh, I don't know somehow. You know people? I was on a, I know it's nothing special. <laughs> I was just on a, a mailing list, so I, I had a I had yeah. access to. You had a you coupon. Know. I had a coupon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so you, you got the senior rate because you're AARP now. You're a senior. You can get a senior discount. No, right? I, I, was I, it the senior I, I, discount to see a senior Bob Dylan? Yeah, well, it was not, but uh, but you know, it was it was less than a hundred dollars. It was whatever it now, was. Who is he playing well with? Because last time I saw Dylan, it was the most horrible show ever, and it was hmm. one of those jazz fest night shows that they used to have. Hmm. Well, that was ni- that was a good long time ago. Yeah, yeah I think I uh, you it know was like. 12 guitar players he had mm. on the stage. And it's like, really? And he was playing keyboards wearing a sharkskin suit. Right. I, I think uh, I saw that show, too, oh God, actually. Awful show. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, these days, he's he's got a uh, more pared-down band. I think he's doing a lot of stuff from uh, the Rough and Rowdy Ways record, terrific record he's put when out. When was that uh, put out? 80 uh, years ago? No, no, like a, <laughs> no, like last year. Oh really? It's, it's the most recent record. Yeah, yeah. So did and, he sell that? Was that part of his catalog? He sold off. I, I don't know. I don't know the details of that. Well, you're but, a big uh, Dylan fan. Well, Why don't but you I know don't. These I'm, I'm, not, I'm not following his financial. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, minutia here. But aren't you like on his Twitter page, following no, him no, on no, Twitter or no, anything no, like no, that? No, 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 no. Okay, I'm, no, I don't. I don't do All that. Right. So you're going I, to see can... Bob Dylan. Well, anyway, I hope he's. I hope he survives this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's uh, every, the people that have seen him in the last. Uh, four years that I've talked to people that, that have seen him like 20 times in their life said the the last shows that they've seen have been some of the best ever. Really? So, uh, you know, I think he may be at the point where he's he's done trying to be cute and and uh, you know. Was he ever trying to re- be cute? Well, was well, he ever cute? Well, um, well, he, he's 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 a trickster for you know always, and and he will do uh, you know rearrange versions of songs that people. It gets to the end of the song, they're like, oh, that's what song it is. A song I've heard a hundred times that you know you don't even recognize it. But it seems like uh, in these last Latter years, he's 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 happy to to go out there and just throw fastballs, you know. Just uh, so that's nice. I think it's called senility, basically. Well, no, no, no. He's, he's uh, well. We'll see. I'll I'll, I'll give you a, a report next week on on the on the show and how all that went. Yeah, but, I want to uh, hear about that. Last time I saw Dylan was in Austin, and uh, at ACL Festival, probably about fifteen years ago, and he sang. He's 
you'd swear it was Jimmy Durante singing. Really? <laughs> That's the quality of his voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think he's improved since then. Yeah, you never know. You know, Bob, Bob's... Uh, he's, well, he's I remember I saw surprising. him at the Greek Theater in L.A. back in the late 80s with a buddy of mine who who was in the music business. We were like in the front row with the Greek Theater. Our third row, maybe. And we bought binoculars just, you know, just for fun. <laughs> and Dylan... I'm watching Dylan sing, and there's just drool constantly coming oh. out of his mouth. He, you know, he's like, uh, you know, playing, playing, and then comes up to say a lyric, and all of a sudden, this drool comes out and stuff like that. And the funniest thing was, um, he had what's his name, that guitar player who was a Saturday Night Live guitar player who always smiled. G. E. Smith. Yeah, G. E. Smith was mm -hmm. his guitar player, and I can't stand that guy. That guy smiles constantly. <laughs> yeah, he he's can constantly be, he's, smiling. Yeah, yeah, I know what you, you mean. It's like so, he could, you know, play a really sad ballad or whatever. He's, he's smiling. He's got that, that grin plastered on his <laughs> face. Soulful grin. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I think he rubs a lot of people. Well, the speaking wrong way. of smiling. Uh -huh. uh, did you hear this uh, thing that, uh, you know, Louisiana is always in the news and stuff like that nationwide, but there's a story out of Livingston Parish. Do you know where that is? Hmm, I don't. I've heard of it, but yeah. I'm not sure exactly well, what it is. Well, a Louisiana teacher, middle school teacher, uh, was arrested for putting her ex-husband's sperm in cupcakes she made for the class. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's... Uh, why? Yeah, why? Well, <laughs> and the husband was a former Livingston Parish SWAT team member. Okay. And both of these, the, the husband and wife, were both arrested for uh, pornography with uh, children. Huh, jeez. And she turned on him... And now he's going to do like 40 years and she's going to do like three years. But for some, I don't know how she did it, but she saved her husband's sperm. Uh -huh. And for some reason, I don't know what the purpose was because it wasn't explained. <laughs> she put the sperm in cupcakes she made for her class. And I mean, uh, so how did they catch her? She confessed to that, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, she confessed to that because a, a lot of kids were gagging, you know. Um, <laughs> so... Um, but that's not how they got caught with all this child. No, porn. they were under. He was under investigation big time. Uh huh. You know, but the the craziest thing, the funniest thing was, is the uh, uh, Louisiana Livingston Parish Sheriff, the, the sheriff, the big shot, said mm -hmm. this was his this was his reaction to the whole thing with the guy getting arrested because he he was arrested for child pornography and all right. that, and they were both arrested for having sex with a kid. Oh Jesus! And they they they, they, they but <laughs> the sheriff said. This is his quote. This was his whole defense. This behavior will not be tolerated. Wow. <laughs> wow. A strong reaction from strong the law enforcement. Yeah. Okay. It will not be tolerated. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, in living... Well, who knows? I don't know what from Livingston... Here, from here Stay on out on. of Livingston Parish, people. Yeah, tough, man. Nation, stay out of Livingston it's Parish. Tough up there. It's a, it's a, Gee, it yeah, Especially if you're young. Well, yeah. You know, that sounds, sounds like... Uh, or hungry. Um, well, uh, Manny, maybe we should get our guest in here, huh? Sure, he's, uh, he's been having fun. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a terrific guest. Uh, talk about playing hard to get. You know, there's certain people I, I've been after for a long time. This is a guest I've been after for several years, years before the pandemic started, during the pandemic, uh, up till today. Well, 
yeah, I finally got him in the boat. <laughs> he's a he's a terrific uh, harmonica player, harmonica master, uh, singer, band leader. Uh, he's, he's been with uh, the the legendary Canned Heat for the last bunch of years. Uh, for, before that, plays with all kind of bands. Uh, Pancho Sanchez. Uh, grew up with the the Alvin Brothers. On and on. We we'll get into all that, but uh, without further ado, the great Captain Spaulding, Mr. Dale Spaulding. Welcome, Dale. Thank you, guys. Nice to be here. Captain Spaulding. Well, actually, my brother is the real Captain Spaulding. <laughs> okay. Well, now, let's, let's get right into to your brother, Larry. How, how is he Captain Spaulding? Well, back in uh, 1980, I was living in Washington, and Larry had been in Hawaii sailing a lot and uh, taking boats to Tahiti, and uh, he speaks fluent Tahitian. He used to spend a lot of time down there. Really? Now, how did all this, how did he get involved? Was he in the Merchant Marines? No. Uh, what's his thing with the boats, and what's his thing with Hawaii and, and the, the, you know, the, the Polynesian well, area? we were in, uh, in Long Beach. Uh, you know, we grew up in Downey. And, oh, uh, Downey, okay. Yeah, and uh, one of his buddies' dad had this uh, schooner, and he, uh, he would take it to Catalina, and bring Larry along, and Larry started sailing. And through that, uh, through that connection, he found a couple that was sailing to Hawaii. So he just jumped on and went there and never came back for like 40 years. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so he, he established himself in... You didn't uh, realize he was gone until 40 years later? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a shock. <laughs> Where's Larry? Yeah, so he, uh, he, he became a... a, a really good sailor and would would go on these trips to Tahiti and all over the place delivering boats and just on these cruises so uh he was on a cruise uh uh from from uh, the Solomon Islands back to uh Lahaina and I had just gotten divorced I was living in uh, Washington state something was wrong with the boat so they had to stop in Pongo Pongo uh, in uh, yeah. Samoa to get the boat fixed and, and start working on the boat. So when they stopped, the rest of the crew bailed out. So Larry was just a crew member, so he was the one left on the boat, so he became the captain. <laughs> so he's actually a real boat captain. Oh, okay. And he called me. I was in uh, Tacoma, Washington, and said, hey, you want to sail this thing back to Hawaii? And I, I was just... You just got divorced. I just you got divorced. Like, I was just yeah. farting around in Tacoma. I yeah. said, let's go. So I went. I flew to Pongo Pongo. We spent a month there and then sailed, uh, sailed back to Hawaii. It took 30 days. He and uh, another friend of mine and, uh, and myself, just three of us. And that was a hell of a trip, I'll tell you. We, we blew up the engine after, uh, after, a thir after nine days that we had no power at all. It took 30 days. We were pounding into the sea the whole time. And, mm. and the, the hull of the boat was caving in like, a, like an oil can uh. in, the, in the front. But it's a sailboat. It's a sailboat. So you were sailing, but, but you're getting beaten by the... By the... Now, it's it got to be terrifying out there in the, the ocean. I mean, I, f <laughs> I find the open water like that terrifying. You know, I was pretty inexperienced. Yeah. <laughs> I had sailed around a little bit, but... Uh, you were just happy to, to get away from your wife. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, this was terrifying. The whole boat would shudder because we were, we were just pounding, pounding, pounding. And, it, and uh, it, it, we, we, called, we named the, the entity Igor. Like point, uh, Igor is pounding to get in the, uh, oh, in the boat. 
And that went on intermittently, just depending on the weather. Uh, then we blew out some sails. Uh, this, we lost our steering at one point. Oh, it was. Geez. Did you think you were maybe not going to make it back? You didn't. Care. I don't know. We we <laughs> you didn't give it much. Thought. We didn't really care. We ju- we just kept on. You know, okay. there was no no turning back. Sure, there's sure. like no AAA for sailing boats, right? I mean, <laughs> That's you can't right. Call anyone, right. Well, we had a radio that worked, so we were uh, people were keeping track of us. They knew what was happening. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. But we ended up uh, making it after 30 days uh, sailing into uh, past Hilo in uh, in Hawaii. My brother was navigating with a sextant. Wow. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, he's Captain Spaulding. I can't, I can't claim Captain Spaulding. Okay, anymore, all right. Well, so. you know, I just like I that name that from the... Groucho Marx. Yeah, from the yeah. Groucho yeah. Marx. Well, I, I took yeah, the yeah. name for a while until he moved to New Orleans, and I had to give it back to him. Okay, you just had it on loan for, <laughs> yes. for a little bit. Well, well so let's go back uh, to, to, to y'all's early days. So you, you grow up in Downey, California? Mm-hmm. Now, that's where the, the Alvin brothers, Phil and Dave uh, yes. Alvin, are from. Did you know those guys back there when you yeah, were kids? Yeah, um, In fact, the first I ever heard of Phil Alvin, my, uh, we went to a Catholic school, and my sister, who's four years younger than me, she uh, came back home from first grade, and she was going, oh, there's this guy that I really like, Philip Alvin. You know, so first that, grade, yeah, first grade. So that, that's that's wow, the first that's... I heard of Phil Alvin. <laughs> okay, but uh, <laughs> I don't know why I remembered that. But uh, I saw Phil years later. He was still in high school, and I walked into this auditorium at the high school that he was in. I was hanging out with some people, and Phil was in a in the corner of the auditorium playing some harmonica, and. Uh, that, I, I didn't even meet him. I just remember somebody saying, oh, that's Phil Alvin. He's a blues guy. You know, and I was the harmonica guy from, from Downing as far okay. as I knew. I uh-huh. didn't even know Phil uh, did that. But uh, as the years went on, we would have parties uh, at, at my brother's house. He lived, this was uh, before he went to Hawaii. Now, he, Larry's older than you? No, he's younger. Okay. But he lived in Sunset Beach, down by Seal Beach. Sure, yeah. And uh, and the Alvins would come over, and and you know a bunch of Downey guys, and and we'd have jam sessions, and uh, Larry, or, uh, Dave was a little kid then, and he he didn't even play guitar; he played flute. Right, right. He talked about that, but he was saying there were some tremendous musicians in Downey. He said like like uh, it, Gene Taylor. It, it was hard to even go sit in with guys because because bands because everybody was so great. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd gotten out of Downey long before that, so okay. I, I wasn't really in the music scene in Downey. But uh, but I I uh, we would all all go to the Ash Grove, uh, right. and I'd, I'd run into those guys. We'd have jam session over in Phil's garage, and uh, you know, just got got to know them, and they'd come over to my my mom's house because she lived on the beach in Sunset Beach, and we'd have these jam sessions, and uh, and we'd we'd all hang out, and pretty soon. Pretty soon the blasters happened, but I, I was out of town when all that happened. Well, if I remember correctly, Dave uh, he moved to, he moved to Hollywood or something like that. Wasn't that the thing? Right? Yeah, yeah. He yeah, yeah he moved across the hill and he said uh, Phil never forgave him for, for yeah Phil. For, that's exactly that's for, what I, for leaving Downey. Yeah, for leaving. Well, no, yeah. for, for moving moving to Hollywood from you know wherever they lived in the valley or something. Yeah. Like, but uh, yeah, and uh, but he talks about Dave talked about. Melrose Avenue in, in L.A. Back then, in the mid-70s, when he moved there, it was all auto shops. 
<laughs> it was all auto shops, which is true. I'm from Los Angeles. Yeah, I know. It, it, which was true because by the early 80s, it had become, you know, new wave stores and punk rock fashion and all these stuff and little shishi restaurants. And there was one auto body shop that survived. Still and, hanging on. Still hanging on until I think the 90s, they just, the uh, rents just got too high for them. And right, stuff right, like right. That. I guess so. Turn into a, a, a pedicure place or something. Um, well, so, so or a when, pedophile place. Okay, sure, <laughs> could, could be either way, you know. Um, so, so you're in LA going to the Ash Grove and uh, the Golden yeah. Bear, and you're you're already, uh, you know, you, you caught the blues bug by this p- point, right? And well, you know, I I started fooling around with the harmonica. My friend uh, in high school, I didn't even know any musicians until I was in high school. I, I didn't know that, there, that it was a possibility to be a musician. But you kind of come from a musical family, right? Like your mom was played trumpet My or something? My mom played trumpet. Uh, not professionally, but right. she'd play real mean sugar blues. You uh-huh. know, That's cherry... sexy. A female trumpet player? That's yeah, sexy. I used to get her up with my band, this little old gray-haired lady, and uh, <laughs> she'd come out <laughs> in a place that's going fucking crazy. So, nice. That's nice. Um, yeah, always music going on in, in, in my whole neighborhood. The I don't know. Did you ever know the Ferrillos, Manny? Uh Bud Ferrillo is a sports guy. Bud Ferrillo, yeah, the sports writer for the Herald. Yeah, the Herald, yes. and he became a talk radio talk guy. Talk radio guy. It, those, that's my uh, my family. They live down the street from me the oh, whole time. Really? They're still my best friends. I I I got in a fight with Bud Ferrillo on his talk show. <laughs> really? Did you really? <laughs> on his call-in show. <laughs> yeah. His call-in show. I got in a fight with him. I can't imagine that. <laughs> it was, it was. I think 1982 or something like that. I was. I think I was 18, 19 years older, and the Lakers had just won the championship the year before with Magic Johnson's rookie year, and they had Norm Nixon, who was the other guard, yeah, uh, who was a fabulous point guard. And the, I got home to my parents' house, and on the radio, my mom said, the Lakers just traded Norm Nixon. I was like, they traded Norm Nixon? I can't fucking believe this. Because... I mean, I thought Magic was good, but he was only a rookie. He didn't know he was going to become what he became. Yeah. You know, and Norm Nixon was already there for a couple of years, and he was fabulous. Fabulous point guard. And <laughs> so I'm listening to the talk radio. Bud Frilla, they're talking about the trade. So I call the radio station. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I said, and they traded Nixon for Swen Nader and a draft pick and some other, like, has-been player. They traded him to Philadelphia. And <laughs> I never forget this. I go, how can the Lakers do this, Bud? How can they traded Norm Nixon, an All Pro, for two nobody players? They're really nobody players. And he goes, well, you can't say they're nobody players. I said, you're a nobody, Bud. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wrong going, thing to say to the steamer. Right at him. <laughs> I go, you're a nobody, Bud. <laughs> and he just goes, well, I don't have to take that. He hung up on. <laughs> yeah. But then I found out later, this is why they traded Norm Nixon. Is that Norm Nixon, a black man, was banging one of the owners of an East Coast team. Daughter. Daughter. Banging the daughter. And they they was like, You either trade this guy, he's you know, we're gonna put this out there and stuff like that, all that kind of stuff. Before the internet, before all that all that kind of stuff. 
So that's interesting. Did Did you see they have uh, on Netflix uh, a uh, the HBO or like HBO? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I watched some. I watched the first episode. Oh, the Lakers. Uh, yeah, thing. yeah, like the the the. Yeah, I haven't watched any of that. I, I watched the uh, first episode or two. I was, I, I've been entertained so far. I My, watched the first episode and I, I thought um, they're making Jerry West look like a paranoid freak. Yeah, you know, and uh, I like Jerry, and Jerry lived in my neighborhood. He grew up in my neighborhood. Oh, okay. When well, he was a Laker, and uh, so I will see. I'll give it. I'll give it a few more shows. Right, right. I right. do like uh, some. Of, I like John C. Riley as Jerry Buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think he's fabulous. Do you know that? Uh, fast forward, uh, my two free stooges. We used to have always these, always these dancing nurses behind me mm -hmm. and Dick Rude. Right. Well, there was a pair of nurses that we had for X amount of shows, who who used to go to Jerry Buzz's house in the eighties, and. Um, just strip for him. Oh wow! Okay, because he was he was a deviant, sexual yeah, deviant uh, man. Uh, he was a fucking fucking deviant. This guy. <laughs> so they go over there and they you know they do some you know they told me about it. they do some kinky things you know yeah you know piss and stuff like that. He was all into all this kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. But they were hot. They were hot right. nurses and they were hot chicks and okay. you know but. I I'm said, not sure if that's going to be in the show. We'll have to see. Uh, have to well, have to hang in there and see if, if well, in our show or that show. Yeah, no, the, on the HBO show. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah we'll right. see. We'll right, see right, about right, that. Right, but right. yeah, Some, well, you know, something to look forward Jerry to. was the one who introduced magic to a lot of these. these okay, uh, these all right, girls, and that's why he got the uh, thing. All right, and, well, you know, we'll, and, uh, we'll see. We'll see how much yeah, they cover that. Yeah. We'll anyway, see. back to you, Dale. Uh, so, so I grew up. I know. New Bud since I was five years old. Oh, really? His youngest daughter is my goddaughter, uh -huh. and my mom is one of his daughter's godmother. You know, I mean, that's how tight our neighborhood was. Yeah, in Downey. He, you know, I think I, I don't know what happened to him because as I got older, I stopped listening to talk radio, especially you know, sports talk. You know, unless I was in the car, I used to listen to it in my bedroom. You I know? think he was the first sports talk guy. Yeah, he was one LA. of the first guys. He was actually good, and 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 but I, the Herald, you know, that got dissolved by the L.A. Times. Right, they bought right. him over, bought him out, and stuff like that. And uh, so, whatever happened to him? Well, he died uh, in '06, I believe. Oh, really? He yeah. lived that long? Because I thought he died like in the '80s or something. No, 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 no. Uh, in fact, I I was living in Austin after we uh, evacuated from Katrina, mm. and I got the call that Bud died, so I just jumped in the car and, uh, you know, uh, I mean that that that's my family, the Ferrillos too. Really? But my point was that they. Bud was a music freak too. See, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He, I, he had pictures of around his house of him and Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin mm. and Marilyn Monroe and right. Jane Mansfield, and he was in that that scene. And so they were always playing, uh, you know, Billie Holiday records. We all all our neighborhood families were way into music. I so. never knew Downey was such a music uh, yeah. farm. Yeah. <laughs> well, our, our neighborhood sure was. Wow. And we had a, a Hispanic family across the street, and they had all these old Tito Puente and, uh, sure. and uh, yeah. Joe Cuba records and stuff. I didn't even know about that until I met Poncho uh, Sanchez later on. I started learning about it. and uh, But anyhow, the point was our neighborhood was saturated with music okay and so you so you had the bug early on and, yeah, and yeah now now i saw that that you you actually uh went up to san francisco in 1969 to, yes. to go uh find uh harmonica uh well that's not why i went I, okay there was this girlfriend of 
of mine, and we took a trip to San Francisco. We'd never been there before, and we dropped acid in Golden Gate Park. Yeah. And and we just said, we got to move here. (laughs) So we drove back down to Downey, packed up all our shit, and moved up to San Francisco and moved into the cheapest place we could find, which was the Fillmore District. Uh You know, just uh, not a great neighborhood. But, um, you know, it was back in the days when we were footloose and fancy free Man. not thinking about anything. Right. But uh, in the course of my residency in San Francisco, went over to Berkeley and Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee were playing. Okay. And, you know, I'd always listened to Sonny Terry's records and stuff and, uh, and I'd learned a bunch of his stuff on the harmonica. So I was waiting outside this, this club and uh, there was a guy out in the, in the in line playing harmonica. Turns out it was Jerry Portnoy who okay. was, you know, who ended up playing with Muddy Waters. Mm-hmm. But but I was talking to him and uh, and he's. I told him I was a harp player, and he said, "Just ask Sonny for lessons." He says he says he'll he'll teach you. So I uh, I went and saw them. It totally blew me away, and I got enough nerve to go ask Sonny. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, I'd like to learn some of your stuff. And he said, well, you know, I can show you some stuff, but you got to bring $10 to my hotel room tomorrow. Right. So I Were you on acid then, too? No. (laughs) (laughs) So I hitchhiked over to Oakland to his hotel room, and uh, we spent the whole whole day, uh, you know, he found out I could play. Mm-hmm. You know, he he would play a note, and I'd play it back, and he'd play a couple more, and then pretty soon we were just playing together. And he stopped, and he he just goes, man, he says, you've been listening to my records, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I go, yeah, I have. And he, he said, how old are you? I said, I'm 20. And he goes, oh, shit. He says, you're going to be so bad. Nice, nice. So I ran into Sonny a few more times at the Ash Grove and in Huntington Beach around the Golden Bear, and uh Got some more lessons from him, you know, in, in hotels. But, you know, he, he finally told me, he said, I don't think I can teach you anymore. You know, he says, you, you know, that that's about it. You got <laughs> so, it figured out. So when you say hitchhike from San Francisco to Oakland, that's basically just walking across the bridge, right? You're hitchhiking just, across the yeah, bridge. You're yeah, you're trying to get a ride across the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Back then you hitchhike everywhere, you well, know. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was, uh, was this was before people started murdering uh, hitchhikers just for the fun of it. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Well, you know, we had another harmonica player on on the show, and and he was talking about how the the physics of harmonica, how you can't really tell what people are doing. You know, it's all yeah. covered up with the hand. So he said, yeah. like, you hear somebody do something, you're like, how the fuck are they doing that? And you really got to kind of find one of these masters to who will kind of. But you they know, don't really tell you what to do either there's guys now that have got it down to a science you know on the internet and they tell you exactly the shape to put Sonny would just play something and then I'd just play it back okay it turns out I wasn't doing it the way he did it anyhow Uh, Uh, but maybe that doesn't matter I don't know not really yeah it it got the point across right 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 (laughs) I mean really everybody's trying to you're not trying to be him you're trying to be the best Dale Spaulding that you can be. I was trying to be him at that point. Well, but, yeah, know, I, mean, I was trying to be everybody that I heard. Right, right. But of course, you know the uh, that's that's where you start off, but then it winds yeah, up. Yeah, then it ends up being yourself. The Golden Bear is that place still around? No, no. God, what happened? Yeah, that's, that's they they that's tore a- down the old Golden Bear when they revamped Huntington Beach. 
back the in city. the 90s. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That whole Main Street. I mean, oh, really? Yeah, Golden Berry used to just be a funky little place right. down by the yeah. pier. Yeah, I remember Golden Berry. Do you? Yeah, well, I grew up in West L.A. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, that's like a different world than Orange County. It definitely is. <laughs> you know, I was a surfer. Well, and uh, I remember like in the early 80s, right after high school, Signal Hill happened. Remember that? Horrible, those cops in Signal Hill killed those kids. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. And it was like, there was so many great punk rock shows going on in Orange County, but some of these places you had to go through Signal Hill. And we were so terrified, you know, 18-year-old kids, you know, 18-year-old kids, you know. We're going through Signal Hill, man. Did you stay on the 405 as well? Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. But some of those shows were close and stuff. But yeah, so Golden Bear is gone that whole area oh, is gone. gone yeah yeah they moved it to a, a a club in the the new complex of gold of uh huntington beach and uh, that just didn't work at all yeah but I, I spent a lot of time at the golden bear when i saw butterfield for the first time paul butterfield my brother and i were teenagers mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> i'll never forget it we were in, like in the second row and it was Paul Butterfield, Bloomfield, Elvin Bishop, you know, the classic Butterfield band. Uh-huh. They came out, and they were the coolest guys I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. From, from the first note, I just went, holy shit, I got to do this. Yeah. Larry, too. Yeah. My brother, too. So <laughs> we both, uh, so we saw just about every Butterfield show that there was there, and they went there a lot. Now, wasn't, the, wasn't there another place, the Coach House or the Lighthouse? Yeah, the Coach House is down, down San, uh, San Juan Capistrano. Right, that's kind of close. To, that was kind of close. Mm, it's, it's a ways, it, yeah. uh, probably about that was 50 minutes away. That was a place to see bands, I thought. Yeah, I, we, I played there with Canned Heat a few times. Oh, really? Yeah. I saw uh, Santana there once. I saw Miles Davis there a couple oh, of times. Wow. Nice. Unbelievable. <laughs> it changed my life. You know, I, I thought, oh, my God. This is when in Miles kind of funk. Uh-huh. Uh, Down on the period. corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or and corner, he, yeah. he was playing interplanetary music. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget nice. that. Nice, it, So that place is not there anymore? Yeah, the Coach oh, House still, is still there. Because I saw it. My parents took me. I was a young kid. They, they wanted to see Santana. They took me. And they, they had those tiki torches. In 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 it was part of the area. They had some tiki torches outside. And, yeah, and some guy had an afro. They're playing canned heat right now. <laughs> wow. And so you know, afros were big back then. Yeah, yeah. And I always saw some guy's afro catch on fire from a tiki torch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we heard that story. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. good one. <laughs> yeah, that's good that times. place is still there. Yeah, good times. <laughs> I like playing at the coach house. Well, man, so so you're you're in the the Bay Area, early '70s. Must have that been that didn't last long. Oh, okay, all right. I went back to uh, to L.A. Oh, okay, uh, the rents got too high. Nah, I just like they broke now? up with the girl. Oh, you you know, know. Yeah, <laughs> acid wore off. <laughs> right, right. So went back down and uh, started doing lots of coke. No, 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 not not at that point. I didn't even know what coke was back uh, then. But I got drafted. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, I got drafted. I uh, and uh, I. And what year is this? That was uh, 1970, I believe. Oh wow! So the war's still going. Oh on. yeah, yeah. It oh was yeah. Going on. Big I had a lot of friends that went went to the war, and uh, you know, I had thought a lot about it. Actually, Jill Ferrillo, uh, Bud's daughter, who's she, she's a very good friend of mine. She's uh, she was very active in the re- war resistance, 
and we talked about it, and uh, she kind of en- enlightened me to the fact that you don't have to go kill people just because they tell you to. Right. You know, yeah. so I uh, declined the invitation to go in the Army, hmm. and that kind of put me on the road a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, the FBI, after a while, were going to my parents' house, my friend's house, asking where I was. And where so were you? I moved up. Well, I was I was living in Costa Mesa and uh, driving a, a truck uh, for Under a living. Under a different name? No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know they were going to be after me. But oh. I, I just thought, well, we'll see what happens. Right. <laughs> Not going to make but it I just easy knew I wasn't going to kill people. Yeah. You know, right. I, I just couldn't do it. So uh, I moved up to Lake Arrowhead. Okay. And uh, I met my ex-wife there, and we subsequently moved to Oregon, to uh, uh, Camas Valley, Oregon, this little country town. Is that in western or eastern Oregon? That's uh, western Oregon. It's between okay. Roseburg and Coos Bay. Okay, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, my uncle uh, was, uh, lived in Newport on the coast. Oh, okay. It's, above, it's about an hour north of Coos Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he had um, uh, trailer parks there. He moved from L.A. And, and bought all this land up there and had all these trailer parks right there on the sea. It's beautiful. There. Trailer it's gorgeous. park empire. Yeah, yeah, trailer park empire. Nice, And nice. now he's, uh, he, he sold it all off. He's living in Mexico, man. Ah, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, Manny, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the clock and our drinks. And, okay. Uh, what do you think? I think it's time to go, yeah, yeah. sure. So, Troubled Nation, you know that... No, okay, I'm saying... This is where we take a break. Okay. All right? I'm familiar with you. You're Colonel Spalding to me. (laughs) 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 Or Private First Class Spalding. Okay. All right, Mr. Chevrolet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, the nation knows what to do. We take a little break here, man. And we refresh our cocktails if you need it. And we'll be right back. You the one. It's you. with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman, back with our guest, Mr. Dale Spaulding. Now, uh, 
Dale, uh, I know you're a, a frequent listener of the show. You've you've heard us talk about our sponsor, Loose Change, uh, and we still we still are uh, you know sponsored by Loose Change for all those people that uh, you know the the listeners week in and week out that that want to support the show directly, and we still have the the PayPal and the Venmo link there in the show notes and the Facebook page. And we still have the uh, Troubleman Podcast T-shirts, but uh, we have a, a, a more recent sponsor. It's the uh, Big Island Jazz and Blues Festival. Oh, oh yeah! Wow. And uh, as it turns out, coincidentally, you know, this is not why you're on the show. Again, I've been trying <laughs> to get you on the show for years, but it just so happens that you are uh, one of the artists on the Big Island Jazz and Blues Festival. That's right. Coming up on uh, what is that? June fourth, I think. June third. June third. Yeah. June fourth that whole weekend there in, in the Big Island at the, the Mono. Which one the, is the Big Island? The, uh, it's Hawaii. called Hawaii. Hawaii yeah, is yeah, the Big Island? Yeah. Right, right. And how many islands are there? Uh, I, I think, think there's seven. Okay. Now your brother. Five, oh, maybe anyway. there's five. There's where's little your, ones too. Where's your brother living? He lives in uh, uh, Algiers. Algiers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, he moved here. Oh, yeah, what island did different he live island. in? Yeah, yeah. He the, lived the, on the, Maui for many years. Then he lived on Lanai for 10 years. And then he lived on Oahu for many so years. So he did some island hopping. Oh yeah, well, he was we all actually over the ran into yeah. ran into to Larry on a number of occasions playing these uh, these uh, jazz and blues festivals there in Hawaii. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're going to be there at the uh, the Mauna Kea Beach Hotel, and we have uh, you, Dale Spaulding. You'll be. Uh, 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 back front, by the iguanas. Back by the iguanas, playing some canned heat material, I assume. Uh, Hopefully not some, too much of that. But, playing, uh, well, everybody loves it, man. You can't go wrong. Yeah, with, I'll, with, I'll, we'll do a few. And, uh, you know, playing some some uh, some Dale Spaulding uh, numbers, and you'll be playing some iguanas numbers with us. Uh, you're a big Absolutely. student of our, of our catalog. And we have some other terrific guests there. That uh, Skip Martin, he's a terrific trumpet player and singer, was, uh, was in the Daz Band and uh, Cool in the Gang. He's Wayne a, Toops. He's a, Wayne Toops is going to be there. Uh, Big Chief Donald Harrison is going to be there. And uh, on and on. So, uh, yeah, if you want to check that out, it's uh, BigIslandJazzAndBluesFestival.com. Cool in the gang is jazz and blues? Okay. You know what cool in the gang is, man. I know. I just so this guy's a trumpet player. He plays all kind of music. He's a, good, a great jazz oh, player. Oh, so the, the band Cool in the Gang is not playing that. No, no, no. no. Oh, Skip okay. Martin. I Skip Martin, who was the singer cool and trumpet player. Right. He, he, okay. yeah, I don't just, consider them jazz. No, no. I no, wouldn't. No, no. no, no they're all. they're a great okay. R&B band, for sure. Right. Soul band. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Skip Martin is a can play anything, and he's an excellent jazz trumpet player as well. Uh, and it's you know the this guy uh, that that organizes these things he, he likes to get a lot of people that he likes and then just kind of throw them in the mix and see what happens you know so we wind up playing with all these different kind of groups and you know so he he gets people that that uh, that are game basically you know that that you can roll with it and uh, yeah. you know and so you know this will be your first time playing this thing Dale but we're I'm excited to have you there because it's always a fun time a fun hang. And uh, before that, the Iguanas are fixing to leave. We're going to go out on tour with uh, the great Kevin Gordon. And uh, our tour is starting on uh, March 31st in Nashville. And we're uh, continuing on for another week or so, uh, finishing up in, in uh, Memphis. And you can find all those dates at uh, iguanas.com. Great. And I saw that actually Canned Heat is going out. Uh, Y'all are going to be out on a Flower Power cruise or something? Yes, uh, I think the 
8th is a flower power cruise going from uh, Miami to St. Martin. And uh, there's bands like... Uh, Herman's Hermits. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The well, association. The, the cow sills do those. The cow sills are on. They're on, on it. it. Okay, well that should be fun. Man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and Felix Cavallari. Okay. Uh, you know from the Young Rascals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually got to play on the last one. I got to play that song Groovin. Nice. Wah, 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 you know, with with them, that was a big thrill for me because right? that that guy was one of my heroes. So uh, I think he's going to be on it again. Those are always fun. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. Well, it's it's good that those things are going again. So, uh, so, so when when last we we left off with you on uh, your your musical journey, you're there. It's uh, it's uh, you're you're becoming a very experienced harmonica player. Um, running from the FBI. Running from the FBI, <laughs> right? So, so how does that get resolved quickly? And and then how how where when does your your professional music career really take off? Well, I moved up to Oregon, and then my wife's dad bought us a, a place up in uh, Whidbey Island, Washington. So we moved up there. Uh, a, a real uh, entertainment center, right? Yeah, right. We had eight and a half acres. You wow. know, we were just hippies. I was a candle maker. That's what I did for a living. No I made kidding. candles. Yeah, and uh, but I always played music. You know, music. Dodging was the draft, my... making candles. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting the picture, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> so my daughter was born uh, on uh, in 1973, and I called my parents down in L.A. to uh, tell them that it was a girl. And, and they said, oh, you know, by the way, we got a, a message from your draft board. We got a letter from the draft board. And uh, I said, well, open it up. And my buddy Mike was there, so he opened it up. And uh, they it said, you've been reclassified. You know, I, I had always thought that I was probably going to end up in jail. Yeah. Uh, and I was just Well, man, yeah, I've been thinking that. that same thing. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but sure. uh that, so my my buddy Mike read the uh, the classification and said you've been classified as one H. I go, what is that? I never even heard of that. And he turns it over and he's, he says one H, unclassifiable, unfit for military service. Wow. Oh, there you go. So I was off the hook from that that time. Do you have any idea why? I was a conscientious objector, okay. and uh, when I I went through all the physicals and stuff in L.A., you know. Uh, and uh, I was at the point where I tried to wig out, you know, and do an Arlo Guthrie thing. Yeah. Uh, they weren't buying it. They didn't buy it. Yeah. Uh, so I was supposed to go on, get on the bus and go to Fort Ord. I just said, I, I wrote, there was a question that said, can you, is there any reason you can't be a, a loyal member of the U.S. Armed Forces? And I said, yes, blah, blah, blah. I'm a conscientious objector. It was, you know, so I just put the stuff on the, on the desk and split. Uh, so I think that had something to do with it. Okay. Um, wow, that was nice. They gave up on you. They you gave know? up you on you. Showed me. up on acid though too. Right? <laughs> That's what you're I, not going to let that acid trip go, <laughs> yeah. man. Well, if you got a dose, I'll take one right now. <laughs> you know, I love acid. Okay. All right. Well, man, man. Something, <laughs> something, something new for the. Uh, I can't, I can't uh, make that anymore. Uh, yeah. Oh, you can't make it. No, but you know how, right? You know, well, no, I mean, I can't do it anymore. Right, oh, no. Right. Oh, I thought you, you made your own <laughs> No? No. Oh, uh, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. So, so, so you get out from under the... Uh, the, the and we're living in Whidbey Island, mm-hmm. in this beautiful island. And uh, I had learned how to play country music when I, learned, when I moved to Oregon. Because 
you know, I moved up to Oregon. There's no blues bands, you know. Okay. They're, they're all playing honky-tonk and stuff like that. So I started learning some Charlie McCoy records, and I learned how to play country. So I became a country player up in, uh, up in the, the country. And uh, then the, uh, I, some tavern owner hired me. He said, if you can get a band together, I'll hire you. So I called four guys from Downey, and they moved to Washington on the spot. And uh, for were, the summer, we played. That was my first the draft band. Also? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they just did, they didn't have much going on, obviously. Yeah. But we had a band going, and uh, that's how I got it started. Uh, my first professional uh, gigs. Nice, nice. So, so you do that for a while. And then, uh, well, an, a name that that I ran across in association with you, who's who's a guy that that I always see as a giant, is Lon Price. Oh yeah. Now, how do how do how do you run across Lon Price, the Lon, saxophone player, yeah. the Texas guy? Uh, Texas guy. He had a lot of New Orleans roots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played in Clifton Chenier's band. Right. And, uh, he uh, later on, uh, when I there was there was a. A lot of stops along the way, but I ended up back in in uh, California in Long Beach, and I had a band, uh, and we'd always be looking for sax players. So uh, somebody recommended Lon Price. So oh, okay. so uh, he came and played with us, and he's I was with Lon for many years. He played. He was my my guy. Yeah, he's terrific. A great man. great player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was in Seal Beach. Uh, at a place called Spagatini's, which uh, that that was a result of uh, my association with Duke Burrell years before in Long Beach, who was a New Orleans piano player that was Louis Jordan's last piano player. That wow. That's what was a pivotal moment in my life. Well, talk about that. Well, I had moved back uh, after Captain Spaulding and, and my trip uh, to Hawaii, our dad had passed away, so I moved back to uh, to California, and I was just kind of drifting around, looking. I didn't know how to have a band or anything, you know. And, and uh, I, I, somebody told me, "Hey, you ought to go see Duke Burrell in uh, at Mr. Roberts. He's Louis Jordan's uh, piano player." And I was a Louis Jordan freak, so I went in there and I sat in with them. Uh, for a few tunes and the owner of the restaurant hired me and for 10 years I played with Duke who was master piano player uh, you know he was, he was a New Orleans native and through, through him I started doing standards he started making me sing ballads and uh, you know he'd teach me tunes like Killer Joe and Round Midnight mm -hmm. uh, he'd come over and, and just you know, play the melodies on the piano till I could find them on the harmonica. Right, and and we became a thing. So, so you you your harmonica playing got got influenced by a lot of horn players and yes, stuff. Yes, absolutely. You know, if if you just listen to people on your instrument, it tends to you know it's uh, mm, it's kind of the little Walter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, which is great. I mean. <laughs> I'm not disparaging right. that at all. That's I love that. Whereas you, if you listen to people that play other instruments and apply it to your own, it tends to develop your own voice more, in a sense. Correct. Yeah, I I, uh, I took a different path than most harmonica players. Right. 
and uh, which is why I fit in with the iguanas. You know, I, I can. That's where I live. Right, and 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 how you you wound up playing with with uh, Poncho Sanchez, right? Right. I mean, it's, Poncho Poncho came and heard uh, my band, and uh, I. I we were playing one night in uh, in Seal Beach, and and I see Poncho walk in. I just went, oh, Poncho Sanchez, what's he doing here?" Well, tell the tell the people a little bit about about him. Poncho Sanchez, he started off with Cal Jader, the great uh, vibraphonist, uh, and uh, in his twenties, he's one of the great congueros and and percussionists of Latin jazz ever, Grammy winner. Uh, just, yeah, I've uh, seen him. I've seen you him seen Poncho? Him. Yeah, in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes in and, and I see him. Uh, I recognized him. He he, but he left before the the set was over. Mm-hmm. But then a few weeks later, I was playing at another place in Poncho, and his wife walk in, and uh, I go, "Shit, Poncho Sanchez is here," you know. So I, I I went and talked to him, and he said, "Yeah." He says, "Dale." He says, "I I came to hear, brought my wife to hear your band." He says, "I, I really dig your stuff." I go. I said, really? <laughs> so anyhow, he invited me over to his house, and, uh, and we became really good friends. He, he showed, you know, I, I told him, I said, I love your stuff, but I, I don't really understand Latin music that well. I don't even know where to find one, you know? And, and uh, so he, he gave me a, a guido, some uh, maracas, cowbell a set of congas and he showed me all the patterns and he kind of hipped me to to how it worked uh-huh. and uh and then he took me on the road with him uh we went to japan and new york and i had never been to those places before and i mean like usually there's not a harmonica player in those kind of bands no no not at all in fact it, there was a i found out later there was a little bit of uh um some animosity or some friction. A little friction uh-huh. in, in the rest of the band, you know, who yeah. are all the greatest purists of uh-huh. Afro-Cuban music. And I go, <laughs> what's fucking Poncho, you know, hiring his harmonica player for him? But, you know, we were really good buddies, too, and we'd go fishing every week, and, uh, you know, he's my brother. Yeah, and, so. you, and you play great, so it's a different voice to the to the music, man. He's, he wasn't uh, he wasn't being pedantic about. It. He wasn't. Uh, yeah, one of the, I saw him in Culver City. He might have played this gig. I don't know in Culver City, at some little like bar restaurant in the Culver City Mall. No, I wasn't on that. Well, I mean, the place was like no bigger than this. <laughs> I mean, maybe a little bigger. And it's Ponzo Sanchez and his band, and there's just people crowded on tables and bar stools watching him. It was fabulous. Yeah. It was right near the MGM it's, Studios. It's quite a phenomenon. Yeah, you know? it was great. My mom was a big fan of his. Nice. So he, he would have me, he had his band, uh, well, I, my band, who featured also James Gadsden, the great drummer. Oh, okay. Uh, we uh poncho made a record and had a, a couple of cuts on the record with me and my band too and his band combined nice and uh and uh he did more for me than anybody as far as getting me out you know and, and showing me around a little bit yeah and uh the second album that we made we had poncho and i had done this ray charles tune marianne you know which was uh on one of his first records. Mm. And Poncho says, well, he was getting ready to make another record, and he said, hey, Dale, he says, we got Ray. He says, you're going to sing with Ray on the on this next record. <laughs> wow. And I just went, really? And he says, yes. So uh, 
turns out uh, a couple of weeks later, the record company said, uh, well, we're just going to let Ray sing. Oh, okay. But you're playing harmonica on <laughs> All it. All right. So I got, it was nice. Fred, Fred Wesley from James Brown's band, Pee Wee Ellis, wow. Ray Charles, and Poncho's whole band, and I got to play harmonica on it. Nice, and, uh, that Ray was, Charles? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Ray wasn't there. He Ray put his his uh, part on it later. Yeah, on. But he's okay. on the track, right? Well, yeah, right. yeah, he's singing. Well, well, so when when the iguanas ran into you on the west coast, it was mm. like kind of right during that that period, or right after that, maybe. No, you ran on into me. I don't know if you remember correctly. I do. I played jazz fest with Poncho. Oh, okay. Uh, this was two thousand four. My brother uh, and I were both here for jazz fest. And uh, and we played at the jazz tent with Poncho, and he featured me on a couple tunes, and my brother too. And uh, they had broadcasted on OZ. Uh huh. And uh, you know we had a great time. And that night, I was telling my brother, "Hey, we got to go hear the Iguanas uh, down at the Cafe Brazil. You know, these guys are the greasiest band around. You know, so so I went in there, and uh, we went. I had a whole crew of people." We went down there and we're listening to you guys. You took a break, and I was talking to Rod, you know, and I said, hey, man, I'm a big Iguanas fan. Well, actually, on the road with Poncho, we played Para Donde Vas. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. you're, you're already... Yeah, they made, an, okay. they made an arrangement and everything. Oh, nice. So by the time... And it turns out Rod had heard us on the radio, you know, that day. He goes, are you the Harmonica Brothers with Poncho? And I said, yeah. So... Uh, I ended up sitting in with you guys then, and that, that was the start of our friendship. Right on, right on. But, you know, later on in California, you know, I'd, I'd kind of seek you guys out and, and play with you. And I don't know if you remember, you, you were the first one that ever said, you ought to move to New Orleans, man. Was I? Yeah, you were. You were the <laughs> first one that said that. I just, I just went, hmm, maybe I should. You know, I, I famous had... last words. <laughs> well, it, it worked. You know, it's a... yeah, it really <laughs> did. So uh, I became real good friends with with Rod, especially. Right. You know, and he he offered me a place to stay for real cheap, and it's one of those doors that open that you you can't not walk through you know yeah it was a good it was the right time in your life uh to, yeah. to go see something different and had you ever thought about living in new orleans before yeah since the first time i got here in the 80s okay. you know, I, my brother and i had come for jazz fest yeah and uh and we didn't realize how much we loved how much the stuff that we loved came from new orleans you know yeah. we'd see jesse hill and Earl King and uh, Johnny Adams and Snooks and y'all were into all that shit. Already. Yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But then, uh, kind of crystallized. About yeah, this yeah. is where it all came from. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we didn't realize it until we got here. And I just went, "Holy shit, this is home." Nice. You know, so we both had that uh, notion. So eventually, I I moved here first, uh, and then my brother just moved here a few years ago. Yeah, man, Larry. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Larry, Larry is—he's uh, got a big appetite, man. He's—he's he's hard to miss. You really—he's <laughs> taking the city by storm. Yes. Well, well, uh, well, uh, and we and we love Larry. Well, so uh, talk about canned heat. How how does how does that happen? Because okay, you've been so playing I, with canned heat for the past twelve years. And yeah. Canned heat. You know, if you don't know canned heat, fuck you. You don't. Know, you don't. You know, Alex Chilton said. Uh, uh, Glenn Styler was asking Alex about uh, canned heat, and he goes, "That's sacred music, man." Really? 
Yeah. So, I mean, those guys, you know, started in 1966. Uh, 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 um, uh, Johnny Otis produced their first record. They, they go Dr. Way, John was on, on their first couple records. They, they go way back. They played yeah. uh, Monterey Pop. They played Woodstock. That's the first time I heard of them was Monterey Pop because yeah. I graduated from high school that year in 67. And I didn't go. I, I took a job in a warehouse instead and... Uh, Instead of going to the, it killed uh-huh. me. But uh, after that, canned heat became kind of prominent. My brother and I, we shared a room in my parents' house, and uh, we'd play all these records, and canned heat was one of them. And uh, so, uh, let's see, how did this happen? Oh, after Katrina, I had moved to New Orleans in, uh, just before Katrina, about five months before Katrina. Moved into Rod's house over by the fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Katrina happened, and I ended up in Austin, which was, uh, I kind of went with you guys. Uh, right. We all ended up together. I'd never been to Austin before, and you guys knew Steve Wertheimer. And he, right, from the Continental he, Club. He kind of gave con- us a residency there. He We're, got me one, too, and he'd never yeah. even met me. I yeah. thought, what a guy, Christ. man. <laughs> Sweetheart. You know, so, uh, <laughs> so I ended up in Austin for six years. Oh, wow. I didn't realize you were there that long. Yeah. Man, and you guys stuck. all moved back, but I was, I was, you know, I didn't, ha- I didn't own a house here uh-huh. or anything, but I had some little dingy apartment in, in Austin. And I thought, you know, the cottage cheese ceiling. And I thought, God, am I going to die here? You know, I said, I didn't move, move from California to be in Austin. I wanted to be in New Orleans. But uh-huh. uh, so while I was living in Austin, I would go back to California because I didn't have any money. I could make money in California mm-hmm. uh, doing gigs. And I met Fito, the drummer, uh, Fito Canned de la Parra mm-hmm. from Canned Heat. And, uh, and, and we hit it off. We had a mutual gig together, just not Canned Heat gig, but just mm-hmm. some other people. And, uh, and I, I would get gigs down in Long Beach at this, uh, this place on the beach. And I asked Fito, I said, you want to be, would you be my drummer sometime he said yeah so i hired him on a four day uh four day gig down there and at the end of it he said i'd like for you to be the front man for canned heat wow and he says uh you're gonna have to quit taking so many showers and you know don't clean up your act you gotta maybe get arrested a few times you know <laughs> so how many of the original members are in canned heat uh there's only one now fido fido but because larry taylor just died uh who was he he was the bass player the mole Okay. Uh, he, he was great. He he'd been in the band since '67. Larry yeah, Taylor yeah. and and Larry Taylor was kind of a ringer when he got in. in yeah. He had played for the Monkees, uh, for Johnny Jerry, Rivers, for everybody. Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, Jerry Lee Lewis when he was a teenager. Yep. And uh, Larry was a monster. Uh, he played. He's played for every Chicago blues band. He's a just a, an anchor of uh, the epitome of of blues. Uh, bass player, bass player, yeah, right, right. So and so the whole time that you played in the band until till Larry passed, he was uh, y- you had that rhythm section. Yeah, and Harvey Mandel was in there uh, quite a quite a few years Howie too. Harvey Mandel. Harvey Mandel. Oh, ha- Harvey he played Mandel. he played with Canned Heat at Woodstock. Now, who so, was the original singer? The singer uh, they had two singers. One was uh, Bob Height, the Bear. Okay. He was the one uh, that sang the lower stuff. And then the guy who sang the high stuff was Alan Wilson. He was the harmonica player and played guitar, uh, okay. slide guitar, and arranged a lot of the stuff. These guys were 
record collectors, you know, from the epitome of old blues stuff. Cool. And, uh, you know, I, I had enough experience where Fido just said, hey, we need you, you know, so... Uh, you know how to front a band, you know how to... Well, you know I kind of... I, I did, on. but I, it was... Candy was a whole different level. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, I was reading a, a, an interview with you, and you were talking about how, you know, yeah, I was a very experienced musician by the time I got in Can't Heat, but those guys really taught me some stuff about Can't yeah. Heat. Tell, well, talk about that. Well, Larry Taylor uh, wasn't the most... Uh, diplomatic guy uh -huh. he wasn't a soft touch <laughs> i'd be playing some stuff on the harmonica trying to try just i remember one one rehearsal he just goes what the fuck are you playing all that fucking bullshit for he says what the fuck is it just that's not the way to do it you know and, and I, you know it kind of hurt my feelings but then later on i'd think i thought about it and and he was right he was always right but he his delivery was not genteel <laughs> yeah uh, he wasn't candy coating it <laughs> not at all and it, we became real good friends but he uh anybody who knows larry taylor knows what i'm talking about yeah but just a great great musician i learned so much from him and from fido too uh you know fido would tell me about my singing style he said he said, sing like Bob did. Bob, Bob did his phrasing like staccato, like Louis Armstrong trumpet. He said, think of it that way, mm. you know, and uh, that really helped me out a lot. Okay. So these guys coached me along. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, to, to have those guys who, you know, are such students uh, of this thing. And, oh, yeah. you know, th those guys, you know, revitalized all these, uh, you know, these original blues guys' careers. Just Yeah, the, the, Skip James, you know. The, with the energy that they brought to it. And, the, and you know, John Lee Hooker, yeah, you know, that was, a, that was a whole thing. Uh, you know, of course, that was way before my time. But, I, you know, I was a, always a Canned Heat fan. It's never really my thing, but uh, I had the uh, skills to be able to adapt my myself into right. the band, and, and, what and I love it. You know, it, it's you know here I am. I, I'm thrown into this band, and we go to Europe, and it's like the and an Australia, and it's like we're the Beatles or something. People <laughs> yeah. are crazy for us, you know. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean the blues is still huge everywhere, but particularly you know uh, you know these places that it's not indigenous to it's right right and but can't heat in itself not just being a blues band they had their own little thing right. too and 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 still do well sure yeah when i say the blues i mean yeah but yeah but, yeah but, yeah can't heat uh, obviously transcends all that you know it's uh, what a what a fucking it's based in that. Man. sure sure so that's where i'm at i'm, I'm still in can't heat the covid kind of kicked our ass yeah and uh, larry taylor dying kind of kicked our ass but we uh we got a Rick Reed is a great bass player. We we've got him, and then we recently uh, acquired Jimmy Vivino in the band, who is Conan O'Brien's band leader for 28 years. Right, uh, guitar player, and uh, we're starting to roll again a little bit. Nice, nice, and and uh, you're you know people people still want to want to hear the music, man. That's, Evidently, uh, yeah. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> It ain't like before, but it's it's starting up again. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody's so excited to to go and and you know be anywhere and do something communal and uh, you know. Just, yeah. You know, 
Jeez, man, we can't stay in our houses forever. In spite of how 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 much Manny wished we could stay in our houses forever. <laughs> oh man, I was you're thinking, bummed that we're in person, right, Manny? I, I was uh, <laughs> thinking today on campus. I was I was talking to uh, my coworker, and I said to him, "I go, do you remember last year at this time? There was nobody here. We were getting free lunches every day, and we didn't have to deal with anybody." And he was like, yeah, that was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. <laughs> it's like anybody. It's like no looking. No students, no faculty, nobody. Well, you know, I could tell that same story about like right after Katrina and there was nobody in town oh, and the, the Red Cross. No town, would, the Red Cross would come around and de- de- deliver hot meals to us no, as, we were, awful, as we were gutting, gutting uh, uh, properties, you know. Right, and, right. And, and, uh, you know, no, tra- but those no meals traffic. were awful. I mean, I'm talking about nice cooked meals on well, I'm campus. just saying, you know, you can you can you can be nostalgic for almost anything, you know, is is, is my point. Oh yeah, well, there's a there's a there's a wave going through Europe right now. I they're s- shutting down Europe again. I man. saw that. Well, really? Oh, they're uh, going to. They're going to. Well, we're forging ahead. We're going out on the flower power cruise. We're going into right. uh, uh, the Midwest. So you're going on a cruise ship. You like yeah. cruise ships? To uh, me, I, I could not ever do a cruise ship. I, I, would, I, I wouldn't would be mind so it. Fucking, I'm a little nervous about doing it uh, yeah. now. Yeah. But, I, 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 well, just the whole idea of going out there and not being able to leave. Yeah. You know, well, but well, you're not going to sink like in the in the uh, in, on the uh, the sailboat trip from from um, <laughs> so, well, Pongo Pongo. Pongo, Pongo yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where Pongo Pongo is. It's in Samoa. It's next door to Tonga Tonga. <laughs> I was I would <laughs> I would have guessed that. that that makes sense, Manny. But, but no, uh, I could never do a cruise. I mean, uh, we've been asked, my wife and family have been asked, oh, you should do this cruise and all. When my kid was young, going to Disney cruise, like there's no fucking way I'm going on a cruise. <laughs> if you no, like to eat, it's a it's yeah, a great thing. Yeah, of course. If you like to eat and then, you know, fall over and drown because you've put 15 more pounds in your body because yeah. of the buffet. But just does, it, it just it just would not be good for me. It's like, when can I get out of here? Can I leave? And you can't. You yeah, can't you get, get that claustrophobic oh, feel. Yeah. Sure, oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about Hawaii after a while. You really? know, yeah, living sure. over there. I had yeah. to... I had to I had to move back. Really? Yeah, there's so much island you can see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, only so big. Yeah. I, I want to be able to get in my car and drive. It's, it's paradise, though. It is paradise. It's beautiful. I love it. Man, oh, man. Looking forward to getting back there. Me too. Well, we'll be there together this time, Dale. Yeah, this will be fun. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Dale. This has thank been r- you. real fun, man. I'm glad I, I'm glad I persevered. <laughs> <laughs> Why you did it take so me. long? Were you just uh, hiding out? Are you driving? Or were you? I was just a little uh, were, apprehensive about here and there being on the public forum. You were forum trying to and, get clean. You know, Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to break my acid habit. Yeah, you know? yeah, acid habit. <laughs> <laughs> he finally kicked yeah, it. Kicked <laughs> it. <laughs> I, you know, I have a couple good friends of mine who are uh, still take acid to this day. They hate pot. They hate alcohol. Really? They hate all that stuff, but they love their acid. All right, we might have to get get them on the do podcast. Do they microdose man. or or do they? Nah, do fuck that shit. <laughs> 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 they macrodose. That's for fucking wimps, man. 
My acid days are way over. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a drug for children to me. You know, it's like uh, if you don't have much of your life uh, behind you, you know, it's you, you don't have a lot to regret. It's all just uh, well, you figure you know, out a lot possibilities of possibilities and and you know open doors. You know, if you're if you've lived a lot of life, there's a lot of self recrimination that that's uh, a possibility. Maybe you don't want to have to face that. A lot of keys to the universe are opened up. You know, but. Uh, you don't have to keep doing it. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Once well, you learn just the lessons. don't look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> even not on acid, right? Yeah, even, on, even on a good. Not day. even now. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Right, right. All right. Well, thank right. you very much. You've been great, Colonel. Yes, and, uh, uh, <laughs> Captain Spaulding. Uh, we'll, 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 the pseudo captain. Yes. Sure, and, and Captain Larry Spaulding and and, uh, and Dale Spaulding. And uh, Manny, thank, yeah. thank you. And as always in the Trouble Men podcast, we like to say trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. Early in the morning and I can't get right. Had a little dig with my baby last night. Well, it's early in the morning. That we used to go Went to her house But she don't live there no more Early in the morning Early in the morning You know it's early in the morning And I ain't got nothing but the blues Went to her girlfriend's But she was out Knocked on her mama's door and she began to shout, Get away from that boy. Get away from this Early in the morning. Early in the morning. You know it's early in the morning and I ain't got nothing but the blues.
field trainees to get something to eat. Waitress looked at me and said, man, you sure look beat. You sure do. It's early in the morning. When I started out Couldn't find my baby Now my money's run out Well, it's early in the morning Early in the morning Ooh, in the morning Early in the morning You know it's early in the morning And I ain't got nothing but the blue Well, it's early in the morning Early in the morning Nothing but the